You are listening to the one of us.net podcast network. You're listening to somebody likes it. Uh, if you got something to say, send us an email at message, somebody at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. We are equally parts wiggity and whack. <laughs> All right. I'm just rolling. Do it. With it. Do it. Are we back? Back. Oh, with a, with a vengeance. With and a then bang. some in the, in the saddle again, as it were. Can I get a sound effect? Boom. That's Boo. up to you, dude. Yeah. Produce what the was, thing. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's there. What was the movement with your hand you did there? Like, yeah. uh, Boom. oh, okay. See, and you don't. A sine wave. He, he was halfway Doing safe. Doing a sine wave. Yeah. He's safe at home. I like this because it's, it's like I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a time lord at this point because you can't, you guys in the room can't hear the. But, but you, you can, but you control yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can visualize it and then just frankly just go make it happen. That's right. Yeah, it's good. And all of our listeners will will hear it there. Yeah. We, we and we will at some point assuming. This is really exciting. <laughs> um, hey kids, you want to play some theme music? <laughs> Do it. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mark. This is somebody who likes it. Here's a, a news item for everybody that I was digging into today because we haven't talked about Scott Stapp in a while, and this isn't been a little bit. We have not. It, we haven't, and so I was gonna I was gonna go and, and has he and, been newsworthy? And no, we just well, he's it? always kind of newsworthy. You, know? you just feel like whenever that guy's not in the news, there's just like the, it's like a it's a bunch of like leather pants it, just hanging in a closet it, somewhere. Right. It's sort of like <laughs> when you have a little kid, like you know that the kid is being. I mean, not that I have a little kid, but. You know the kid is being bad when you can't hear them. You know, like you're like, wait like, a minute, like you, that's, what, like that's little, what makes you nervous. We should put a little cat yeah. bell on Scott Stapp, or maybe maybe like a nanny cam that just follows him around everywhere. Right. But like, so like really high on Adderall or whatever it was, and like using that camera to talk about UFOs. And so anyway, but I didn't find anything about Scott Stapp because I got stopped in my tracks with this headline: Guy tries to scam twenty five thousand dollars in drum equipment by pretending to be a Nickelback. <laughs> so, uh, there was a. And by the way, that we, I'm just trying to parse that headline, man. Like, yeah. I mean, a twenty five thousand dollars is kind of low if you're trying to scam. No. Or trying to scam it from Nickelback? It, no, it, he tried to get it from a from an Austrian company. Oh, he was trying to get like sponsored. He, he was just trying to get free gear. He was trying to get twenty. Twenty five thousand dollars is a lot that, of fucking a, money a, for for a drum kit. For a yes. drum kit, yeah. So that's uh, at least two toms. That, that's like a that's like a mm-hmm. Neil Pert like rotating drum kit. Yeah, oh, well, something like that. But uh, remember, we talked about this before. I was, I was just remembering uh, when we did the poison episode. That there was a story that I had read about a guy like, like, um, oh, pretending to be one of the guys, in R- poison. Ricky Rockman, the drummer from yeah. Poison, who got like charged with like rape and assault charges, and then it came out that it was some guy like impersonating him. Well, this isn't quite that bad, but this guy, he tried to convince this Austrian company to send him. All like twenty five thousand dollars worth of drum equipment, and then charge it to the to the guy in Nickelback. But somehow uh, he was caught. Lord well, it knows. sounds like a, a well thought out plan, right? Yeah. Now he's got two felony fraud related charges. But I don't know. And the best story in jail. Yeah, in prison well, when people are like, "Hey, what are you in for?" Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you. Um, it's if a pretended story. to be a Nickelback, he'd probably get his ass beat worse than like just, a just child molester. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, so anyway, w- at some point soon, I can't believe it's been that long since we've checked in and, and gotten any Scott Stapp related news. But the other thing I wanted to talk about um, was the fact that that U2 is being sued right now by a British songwriter named Paul Rose for – he's alleging that they stole key parts of their 1991 hit The Fly, which is on Octoon Baby, from his song. And apparently – and I've listened What's to What's his song called? His song is called Nay Slappin'. Nay Slappin'. N-A-E slappin' with an apostrophe where a G does, should does be. Does anybody know what a nay is? I think it's like knee, like nay slappin' because he's oh. English, you know, like a okay. cockney, like – it's my nay. All right. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, right? that's yeah. what I really accurate. It's like he's yeah, here, yeah. mate. Look, man, I'm telling you, th- 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 Skyler <laughs> n- knows this. Like, I sh- really should have a second career as, like, a dialect coach. Yes. Um, <laughs> the die part's right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, die so this, <laughs> this guy is seeking a songwriting credit and $5 million in damages over allegations that The Fly copies elements of his song, Nay Slappin'. Uh, apparently, he sent a copy of his song to executives at Island Records the same year that U2 was signed, 1989. And they, they twirled their mustaches and said, it, hey! It, and, then the, and, then the fir- and then the first uh, album that they put out after, uh, on Island after they were signed was this The Fly. <laughs> that Contained the Fly. Yeah, so... Um, so what has this guy been doing for the past 28 years? Right, and so... 26. 26. Looks to be fair. He was worried about ruining his career by accusing one of the world's most popular bands of ripping him off. So... Now that he realized his career is not going to happen, well, he's gone ahead and Right, so what I want to do, and, and we're going we're gonna to turn off the mic for, for a second and, and listen to The Fly, a little bit of The Fly, and listen to a little bit of Nay Slappin', and you guys tell me, I've listened to them... Um, there is s- some minor similarity in the beginning, but what I want you to tell me is if you think that this guy actually had a career that he was in danger of wrecking over the, la- over, over the last 26 years. So, Mark, let's listen to it. Yeah, we'll play a clip for the folks at home as well. I mean, okay, it's a little bit analogous to uh, Elastica and Wire, except for, like, Wire was a well-known band at that time, and nobody knew who the hell Paul Rose was. And Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. Like, the, 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 the riff that the song is built off of, he kind of does that in the beginning, like, yeah. but he doesn't do it the same notes. But that one, that one's very easy. I mean, you, you, one could see how anyone could could build a little riff off of that. But then there's that little solo part that's sort of that's, integral that's, to the song. That's fairly that's, exact. It's like note for note. Yeah. Hey, uh, is there any truth to the rumor that um, Marvin Gaye's estate is uh, filing over this? <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably why he came out of the woodwork, so, by the way. Yeah. But, okay, so you say, you, you say that the solo kind of 
adds. I don't think fuel it's. To the I don't fire think it. There, I don't think. Yeah, I think I it mean, adds fuel to his fire. But the fact of the matter is, that's not the fucking song. I mean, but it's I mean, not even close. Well, no, that's it, it's like a, it's know, like a third-rate Joe Satriani. Yeah, song, it's like but, Steve Vai. Joe, it's like uh, it's Steve Vai, Eric Johnson, Joe Satriani, Paul Rose. <laughs> Well, I, I I'm the sure name at the time, his, like, he had people going like, oh, you're the next one, I, I'm sure. And, I like that the name of his record is Homework. Like, that's what it was called. Well, it but sounds that, like, it, yeah, it, it like, sounds like he spent they, a lot of homework. They, they might have needed to workshop that title. Yeah, so. maybe. Yeah, just a little May bit. slapping or homework? Both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, I would say that just based on the key that he's playing in and the fact that he's doing solo work, I mean, it's a scale – He's yeah, I mean, there's a good there's a good chance that that it's coincidental. But regardless, he would have to prove that that you two actually was exposed to that work, and and either knowingly or unknowingly ripped it off. What was the yeah, What was the George Harrison song that My, My Sweet, Sweet Lord, Lord? And what was the song that Going like, to the Chapel? Yeah, and he and you know they even arrived at the conclusion like. He probably didn't do it on purpose, but he's definitely heard that song. Well, but the, here, but here's the difference between that and what we're talking about right right now is that George Harrison, like "My Sweet Lord" and "Going to the Chapel," that that melody is the entire chorus. I mean, they're the same. That's the same melody through the chorus. This is just a little bit of a solo in the beginning of the song, and a little bit of that. By the way, in the it's riff, the first thirty seconds are right. I could, it, I could, I could easily see how he'd go like, "Dude." But that's right, but then, but then after that, it, be, it, it they diverge and they become two completely different works. I mean, and completely fucking different. Well, yeah, okay. one of them is a pretty good song. So, to my previous question, what's not the guy been doing for the past twenty six years? What? Why now? I think yeah, pro- he, he was like embarrassed to sue them back. I like, think probably. I, I I was I wasn't really kidding. Like I think he probably saw. That whole blurred lines thing recently, and decided like I'm gonna go and the Led Zeppelin thing with yeah, he saw like oh well maybe it's time to cash in yeah yeah even if he gets a tenth of what he asked for or maybe homework stopped generating income for him and he just thought <laughs> right. yeah just became homework something like that okay well I wanted you guys to hear that uh, kids what are we talking about this week Kevin yeah so uh, so so this week was my record to pick and um, I chose. A record by uh, and I, I actually so I think I mentioned this a little bit uh, last go around when we talked about like what it was that I wanted to cover. Um, and my and essentially like my general mojo on on picking records the past few rounds has been trying to pick stuff that is reasonably recent. So we take we take trips in the Wayback Machine from time to this time. This is very that's, recent. That's always fun. But this one, yeah, this one's actually still like. In the in the hey this just came out displays in the record store and it's um it's a, a solo release by an artist named Allison Crutchfield um, it's called uh, Tourist in This Town and um, well it's got a got a Waxahachie um, well connection you know why to it. Uh, well I read a little bit but I bet you know why because that's yeah. one of your favorite bands and I was like oh that's why I picked it well no it's actually not why I picked it really so no not at all in fact so. Um, so yeah, so I have the I have the Waxahachie uh, Ivy Trip record, which I enjoy. Like I don't I don't think it's a we don't have to sidebar on this, but uh, like I don't think that that's a flawless record. But there's some tracks on it that I really like. Like I really connect good, with there's quite some a bit. Good stuff on that. Yeah, but anyway, so so I was looking for something that I thought was kind of interesting, and uh, was just listening to a few different things that had come out this year, early this year, and this Alex Alison Crutchfield record. I was like. This sounds a little bit like uh, the Waxahachie record uh, because 
the artist is the twin sister of uh, Katie Crutchfield, who is also known as Wax Hatchie. So oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're not only sisters, but they're twin sisters. They used to be in a band together. This is one of my favorite band names. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I saw this. It's, it's it's wordplay. I'm trying to remember though. Yeah. Uh, well, she's she's been in a number of bands that I think have really terrific names. But the one that she was in with her sister was called P.S. Elliot. <laughs> which, uh, that's, right. that's 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 pretty clever. Yeah, actually. it's pretty great. And they were like teenagers at the time, I think. Yeah, but when they, you know, clearly like you know they still play together or whatever every now and again. But that they were, she was in that band for a while, and then um, her most recent act was called uh, Swearin Apostrophe. Yeah, if you look up <laughs> Allison Crutchfield on Wikipedia, it it diverts to the Swearin page. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, and that's apparently like a little bit more of like a moody. Um, bedroom pop record but this is uh anyway this is her first solo release um she broke up with the dude that was her writing partner and i guess um you know uh uh paramour uh who's the other half of uh, kyle swearing. i think his name was it, kyle kyle something yes yeah. anyway so yeah so there are uh and it, it i mean it feels to me like um i want to get your first impressions too my first impression is that it feels to me like very much like a, you know, kind of a record put out by an angsty twenty something. Except that she, um, uh, and she, I think she explores some different styles. Uh, with, that is with, definitely true. With varying levels of success. That and, is true. And uh, anyway, but I don't think she is uh, for for as angsty as as she is. It doesn't. It lyrically, it feels like it maybe doesn't pander as much as some similar things have. So anyway, those are my, that was my first take, Shane. Let's get your nuggets on this. Oh, she would have gone to Ryan for Shane Nugget. I could go because uh, I, I have very definite things to say. Well, I, I do too. I feel um, this record is. Hmm, I have complicated feelings on it. Um, I do I, too. I love the way it sounds. I love the production on it personally, from almost the whole everything. Um, I just don't really like the songs. They meander. There's not a lot of melodies to them. There are some total standouts, and uh, that I don't agree with that. But like. I will say this: like it starts out with that the very first song on the record. I can't uh, broad yeah. daylight. Yep, that song sounds like that song. There is no way that that Allison Crutchfield and don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not downing this record. I'm just, I feel it's. I feel I have very complicated feelings about it. But I feel like she definitely listened to a lot of Ani DeFranco. Like there's a lot. Of, oh sure. There's yeah. a lot of like wordy, 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 wordy. With no melody at all, and so because of that, like the song that I liked by far the most on this record, "Mile Away," I loved it. It was I thought it was for about the first half of it. I'm like, this is fucking badass. And then like I I was thinking to myself like, how long is this song? It's got to be like eight minutes long. And I, I was halfway through, and it's only it's not even four minutes long. It's just there's I think that sometimes like she doesn't well what's the, the songwriting song isn't really polished like i'd like to see what she's going to do after this sure no it sounded like you were getting to a particular track that you were listening to that that you drew that conclusion from no, a mile I, away did i miss it oh my way okay. yeah i really liked that i like uh, the only one that i really you know there's there's just a lot like i mean i'll, I'll stand by like i'm pretty sure she's listened to a lot of Ani defranco growing up there's a lot of just like there's a lot of words like a lot of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of words and not a lot of melody um and there are bits and pieces of individual songs that I very much enjoy. I like. I said I fucking love the production. I, I, I'm I'm sure it's not your bag. 
You, what the production? Yeah. Oh no, I dug the production. It I, sounds no, great. I, I mean, thought it was total sweet, total sweet spot. Like not yeah. not overly polished, not underdone. Um, so here's here are my thoughts. I didn't get the Anna, Anna DeFranco thing at all. Go back and listen to um, it. Go back. Well, yeah, I, that, I might that, I might now that you say that, but um, here's here's what what I came away with. Each of these songs, if you just played one of them for me individually, like I'm like, yeah, great song. Or at least very like very good song, but it doesn't really hang together as a record. Like she's just like throwing every idea at the wall, and and it sequen- it- sequencing. Eh, we'll just kind of put them wherever. And it it I mean it it's you know it, it, like a good record sequenced correctly. And I've I don't recall ever having this uh, be my main issue with a record, but what will like kind of take you on a journey and, you know, and they kind of float. And so there's this real kind of herky jerky from one thing. And then it's a completely different style. And she sounds like, you know, like eighties cure and or new order on one. And so then, and then my moves on, the and, one that 80s and then cure. moves on to like Nico case fronting the Shangri-Las like what? And, and the, they all sound <laughs> good, but yeah. like, huh? Well, the, the, the guardian review on this name checked, um, Eleanor Friedberger and Courtney Barnett, and I don't think she's as funny as Courtney Barnett. Like, no, that's, Courtney, like, Courtney and I, I wanted to go back to the Courtney Barnett because it's you know newish, and but that that is a cohesive work. Well, and sure, I, well, Courtney and, Barnett's. Yeah. But Courtney, here's the thing about Courtney Barnett as opposed to Alison Crutchfield is that, um, and I'll go. There's too many words. There's too many words to like Courtney Barnett is has a has an economy. With the way that she, like, even when she's like being like, yeah, she kind of gets in and gets out, and, and has a little, little touch of humor to it. Yeah, but then even when she's like doing run-ons, like, blah 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 blah, it's very percu- it, There's like a, it, it's almost percussive. It's it's an element that you, that fits into the song. It's like a different. Well, what I did catch off the Alison Crutchfield record is is what like the lyrics that I started to listen to the lyrics because you know me, like I don't normally pay attention unless they like I like the songs, and I do like the songs. They're sequenced weird, but anyway, um, it it seems like she. You know, I, and I read up a little bit. She went through that breakup, and and I think she puts them down in a pretty coherent way. Maybe they're too many for you. I have I actually meant to go and like look them up, and I don't even know if they're on. Oh, the I yet. didn't look. I'm not saying like like the. Con, I'm not talking about the content of the words. I'm just saying like when you get to that point where you're talking about the actual well, there's so content m- meaning the volume of the words, the yeah, amount there's, of there's words. There's just so many words, and yeah. I think that it, it rather than concentrating on. Like a melodic element, or or finishing and polishing the songs, you're just trying to fit all your words in into like the little sphere, you know, that they're going. Like trying really hard just to put all the words in there. Shane, like, can you yeah. speak to the this this idea of how you how you sequence out an album, how how you plan the order of tracks? I well, mean, you've yeah, you've done that a few times. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I mean, I think you put a good, I think you. I think you put a good point on that. Like, I mean, basically, like, you want to start somehow. Like, sometimes people will start with a really slow song, and then right after that, boom, launch you out. It's just, you're basically, like, right, take you on a journey. Like, think about it like when you play live. If you play out or you go to see, like, a live show, you go out, see, like, a live show, you want to be, like, you don't want it, like, five, you know, slow, dirgy songs all together. You want... You, or likewise, if you have this kind, of, it, just to break it up, just to get, it's like sort of like watching a movie, like hit the hit 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 each beat. Well, so yeah, gotta, what, I, what I was going back to when I was when I was trying to figure out, like it was unnerving to me, like why it was that it was the record was so jarring when I liked, I did like pretty much every song, 
but just not in the order they were in. But I kept going back to like uh, when I would, you know, in the '90s, particularly uh, when I really liked a girl, I'd make her mixtape. You know, you know, we were starting a date or whatever. I'd make her mixtape, and I'd stay up till you know four or five in the morning, like going back and like listening to like this song and how it bleeds into the next song and if it makes musical sense. And it doesn't sound like anybody even attempted to do that on this. Yeah, uh, I mean, the other thing about sequencing is you always got to make sure that you um, you leave time for couple skate. Like uh, that, that's true. You got to get you got to get that in there. There's also There's probably one of those on this. Yeah, no, I um, the reason like I want to I want to circle like back uh, probably I want to circle back to the Courtney Barnett stuff for just a second not not to compare really to compare the two artists but I do think like kind of the greater point that was and I gave you the I gave you those two names out of the the Guardian piece totally out of context but the the gist of what the what the author of of that little bit from the Guardian review was sharing was really not so much that it sounded like exactly like either one of those artists but like that it sounded like maybe she'd been listening to those artists. And I think that there, you know, it feels like there might be a kernel of truth in that. Yeah. The other thing is, is like, you know, if they weren't, if she and her sister weren't, didn't already sound exactly alike, like if they weren't twins, they would sound like they were separated at birth. Like they're just a lot of I think she sounds like, what's, uh, Shane, you probably know this. Who's the lead singer of uh, Velocity Girl? Sarah Shannon. She sounds like Sarah, Sarah Shannon on a lot of this to I, me. It's I, just, I could I see that. I didn't get that, but not like thinking back, I could kind of see. Why don't we? Why don't we listen to? Yeah, that? let's listen to one of these. So the the first one I'd like to play is um, the one that I guess is arguably the single, which is um, I don't ever want to leave California. That's the one song that there there's she she's got a melody in there, like a really strong one. Darling, you're too mid Atlantic. The bright red. So what I didn't realize until I uh, till I dug into, I guess what she's been up to lately is that you know she after um, P.S. Elliot broke up or after she quit re- recording with her. That's never not going to be funny. <laughs> no, it's always great. It's it's one of my favorite. Like now it's I have like to go the only like New York find... school that's named after a person. <laughs> kind but, of right, exactly. Yeah. It, it I feel like uh, I would be curious to see if all of their handbills for their shows were written in lowercase. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Did TSU yeah. do that too, or is that just yeah, E. Cummings? Yeah, a lot of that, lowercase. Well, E. Cummings thing. was all over the yeah. page and stuff. Yeah, liter- literary jokes. Anyway, yeah, so um, anyway, the, I guess she's living in Philadelphia now, which I did not necessarily realize straight away, but it looks like we did watch the video of that of that track, and uh, to your point, Shane, yeah, I do think it's, you know, it's got a pretty accessible melody. I can see why they chose it to be the first single that they – they put out there, and um, 
but it looks like basically, essentially, like it's a, sort of a kitschy um, take on. It's a basically a ode to a relationship track in front of cheesy um, California type uh, accoutrement. Basically, shot like. In a Philadelphia parking lot, from what I can tell, like a roof, I think. Yeah, yeah roof, something like rooftop. That. Yeah, apartment rooftop, and good bands coming out of Philly recently. Like, yeah, it seems like it's been happening a lot. The, the they're ma- putting something in the cheese stand. There's a maybe. I mean, I don't, maybe maybe Philadelphia is changing because the Philly that I know, I can't bunch imagine. of mooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I've they, got a I've got a really good band I'm picking for an upcoming record that you were. You're gonna thank me for Ryan. They're from Philly too. I will reserve judgment. Is it? Oh, I know. Did you did you see him first on uh, Throw Batteries at People Night? That's that's the Philly I know. Yeah. Is that an Eagles re- like a Philadelphia Eagles reference? Like they throw batteries? Yeah, kind of. That right. they, we, they threw yeah. batteries at like Santa Claus one year or some shit. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Talk about yeah. classy folks. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I you know in terms of that track, like it's. It was one of the ones that I heard first when I was trying to sort out which record that we were going to listen to this week. And, um, you know, it's it's light. The lyrics are a little angsty. Like, it feels like it's kind of right in the middle of her sweet spot of, like, what she writes about. Or it's certainly, like, what she's writing about now. And, um, and it's an easy listen. Dude, I dig it. Uh, I think all of these songs are, like, really good and sound like they could be placed in a film. Not the same film. Uh, but various films. They're all digestible. The, they're yeah, they're all digestible. They're not necessarily singles. Yeah. Uh, it's a, There's a little bit of a, like a girlsy, like, like girls, the show, girls the, the HBO show. show. Yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. Shtick that I feel like, you know, and I don't know, again, that might be another she, thing. She's on just, what, Merge? Is that right? She is on Merge. Yeah. yeah. So Wow, that's interesting. I mean, that's, that's why the album sounds that good. Yeah. I just don't think the songs are as strong as you guys do, but I mean, I'd like to say. You're allowed. Yeah, of course I'm. A, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, I'm just. I'm. I mean, I'm. I, I, as far as I know, we're supposed to sit here and talk about our feelings about a particular record. So you know, you're I'm not supposed th- to talk about my feelings, Shane. Uh, yeah, this week on Ryan's Ryan feelings, it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should have like a little side program. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan likes it. Let's like, deconstruct what Ryan thinks. Like, yeah, what, we're just, we'll just make you listen to a song, and then the three of us will like sit around while, you, and then try to think, like, to come up with how you're going to feel about the the song. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I just have to mention this. Have you noticed that there's like a Milo behind Kevin's head on the on the uh, dry erase board? What is Milo? The Descendants character, like Milo goes to college. Oh, oh, yeah. Except for this one has hair. But, yeah. But it essentially it, was that on purpose, Mark? Do you have any idea what that's in reference to? Um. <laughs> There's also it says next I'll to it. I'll tell you off the air how that got up. It says budget question mark dollar sign dollar sign cent sign cent sign yes please. Anyway, That's I'm gonna a, I'm gonna segue from some from the theater of the mind discussion that you have going on right now, <laughs> and circle back to the to in this case the pitchfork take on this record and like, you know, uh, as much fun as I have taking a ball peen hammer to pitchfork reviews, I think there's a little section of this one that is especially apt right now. Um, Basically, the guy that wrote this said, like her sister, Crutchfield has a knack for sardonic observations designed to bore through the bullshit of young adulthood, mostly emanating from other young adults, which I think is almost always true of young adulthood. With less less room for stormy punk guitars, uh, Tourist proceeds with a new lightness of touch. Instead of steel plating her tongue, the music consoles and reveres hard-on-sleeve lyrics. So I think the hard-on-sleeve part 
is something that we've mentioned already. Oh, yeah, it's it is hard on hard on sleeve, and to sometimes to its betterment, and sometimes to its detriment. I think some. I think mostly to its betterment. I, I, um, I, well, okay, so so bear so bear with me when I say that. I it just there there comes a point where you can like four or five, and this goes back to sort of what you were saying earlier. Like if you heard one individual song at a time, when you're listening to it as a whole. I think there's there's a kind of a one almost one note sad sackness that comes in. Whereas I listen to this album as a whole and then as individual songs also, you, it it sort of becomes this sort of self pitying story for part of the record, like a few songs in a row, and that's where it's to its detriment. However, to its betterment, like you were saying before, if you take these like in smaller chunks rather than a, as one complete thing. Yeah, if I came over to your house one day and you're like, oh, dude, I just found this song. And you could have picked any song from this record. For the most it for part. Me, and, to me. And played it for me. I'd been like, yeah, dude, cool track. And then, But trying to hear it as a cohesive whole, well, like, well maybe not. And I kind of give her a little bit more of a flyer on like the kind of one-note thing, it being like all about this one breakup. Because I've gone through a couple heinous breakups and... They took me a little while to get past, and it's probably her just working some shit out. Well, it's not bad. I'm not, and, and I'm not in any sense saying that at all. I mean, and it's, it's not like bad poetry, you know. Like, a, I mean, like no, she no, can write. No, she can. I was going to say the woman can obviously write. I mean, and there's some humor in there too. I mean, there's there's a fair amount of that. That I mean, I'm not saying it's like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Um, I just, you know, I guess I, I come back to what I've said before. I, I, I'm I'd be anxious to see what she's going to come up with next because it seems like an artist on the precipice of, of doing something well, really great. Yeah, the only other thing I, I would say um, critically, and I, I did genuinely like this record, I think a little bit more than you did, is that she's not quite the sum of her influences yet. They're like influencers are on her sleeve right now. Well, yes. It, here's something that we didn't mention before, like, and I'll just uh, I have to name check P.S. Elliot one more time. But she was she <laughs> always going to be funny. She was, it's always funny. Don't do that when I'm taking a drink, asshole. <laughs> I almost like he's going to spew all over. Yeah. So shame with the spit take. But um, but yeah, she was the drummer in that band, and so there's she's a little she's definitely a multi instrumentalist. Did she play drums on this band? Um, I don't know whether she played. Drums she apparently on this can play or everything. Yeah, but she can't. But who like, played on? I mean, did she play on this particular record? Um, we'll have to dig that up because there's a track that I want to play later that that uh, where the drum. The drum track on this particular um, uh, song is prominent, uh, but we'll say that for a little bit later in the podcast. I think I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so so we've got um, we're we're almost to the mid midpoint of what we usually do. We can go through another song now. We can do two on the other side. It's up let's, to you guys. Let's do another song now. Okay. Well, why don't we do why don't we do miles away or mile away since we you brought that one up earlier? Shane. Yeah, I like that song quite a bit. Okay, let's do that.
Those drums sound like the drums on um, I think it's a thousand hours by The Cure, or also it sound they sound like a lot of the, the Tom Heavy drums on Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Well, and there's a I, there's a song that I can't remember. This is gonna be a terrible podcast. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like it's either by Passion Pit or something from around like five or six years ago yeah. that kind of has like a same. What's well, that? hey, let's it let's has that synth thing that's like yeah, and I mean, it I has that like, same kind of like. Far away. Uh, oh, MGMT uh, management. Oh, it's it, yeah, yeah, it is MGMT. MGMT. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I like how you. I like how you. I got there. Out the synth thing. Yeah. Like, you're right. This is this. It is that is. What 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 what's, what? There was an album that came out about seven years ago. It was on a radio station. I heard it. What is it? I narrowed it down. I got us there. Yeah. Anyhow, I know the, the the percussion on that does remind me that. But no, there's a lot of Cure influence on this. Uh, there's some stuff where I'm like. Well, she was born in 1989, and I'm like, were they playing Disintegration like when she came out of the womb? Because there's some there's it some came shit out on in this. 1989. Yeah. yeah, there's some shit like on this that it's it's like directly just taken from Disintegration. Which don't get me wrong, I fucking love that record. But well, but what's yeah, what's the shelf life on that stuff too? It's like you know, like, and this is a weird analogy, but it's like so, give or take, and I'm. This will never hold up to scrutiny, but like give or take, it feels like, um, like in like for example, fashion, like things come back around like once every like twenty to twenty five years. That's true. And and so in music, you can wear a skinny tie again. Well, sure, and often do. Uh, but but I think where the where music is concerned, you know, I mean, we we talked a little bit about this when we did the Otis Redding podcast. It's like some stuff is timeless, some stuff feels like. Some stuff it's just goes specific away for, to that era, and or like, or like goes out of fashion for a little while, and then mm-hmm. becomes like sort of a there's a new, you know, a new generation a, that a like new didn't take experience it, yeah. it the first time, and right. So I mean, this feels a little bit more like maybe what that is, but I mean, also it's just uh, you know, for somebody admittedly like per what Shane was saying earlier, like is who is is finding her way by experimenting with a lot of kind of different takes and different ways of playing different different songs um you know her, her their her influencers are worn on her sleeve but it's um not without not without some effect so anyway sure she's obviously a very talented person who really likes the things she likes and yeah you know, it, you know it's obvious so. no it's yeah well why don't we uh let's get to the middle let's do some middle stuff So we skipped an important segment uh, in this week's show, and that is Celebrity Death, Death Watch. Oh, yeah. Wapner. Did Paxton. Wapner die this, this Wapner week? Died. Wapner did die. Yeah. Yeah. At the, uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. 90, 97. And uh, when will the senseless killing stop? Yeah. The other one uh, was Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who, it turns out, and I didn't know this till this week, directed... Maybe the weirdest video that MTV has ever shown, certainly in its early days, and that's a little thing called Fish Heads. Oh, oh Bill wow. Paxton directed Fish he Heads. He directed Fish Heads. So yeah. I shared it with Mark, and uh, was anyway, he was like, oh, "I just watched that recently. Why is that?" And I was like, "Because Bill Paxton directed it." So Mark has a little intel on it, but let's go ahead and watch the video, and then we'll we'll get into discussing it on the other side. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish. Heads, fish, heads, eat them up, yum. Fish, heads, fish, heads, roly, poly, fish, heads, eat them up, yum. Fish, heads, fish, heads, roly, poly, fish, heads, eat them up, yum. 
evening, laughing happy fish heads in the evening, floating in the soup. hero like i don't know man like actually uh, i the sad thing is it's like i do kind of remember that video like that's anyway it's not like oh it's been like, like I've 30 never years seen, since... i've heard that song many many times but i've never seen the video before well apparently uh, it was yeah. like the the most popular song in dr demento's uh history uh which makes sense bill mumi mumi directed Mummy, yeah that our wrote co-wrote that song if you guys don't Know who Bill Mumy is? He uh, was he was in is. Lost in Space. He was the redheaded kid. He's also um, in the Twilight Zone. I can't uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but he's the one that like uh, he's the little kid that can control everything with his mind and like oh and everybody's scared of him. Everybody's scared of him, right? Yeah. Um, uh, well, the, I, the band is called Barnes and Barnes. I was kind of hoping that they would open a bookstore and call it Barnes and Barnes and Noble. I was waiting for somebody <laughs> to make that joke. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, yeah, no, I can't believe that he directed that. Like, that's hilarious. I had no idea, I, and I do remember that from the early days of MTV. But uh, and apparently, uh, Mark was telling me he like camped out at Thirty Rockefeller Plaza to like try to give this to Lord Michaels or somebody. Yeah. Uh, so, so the the quote from Bill Paxton himself was that I literally had to wait in the waiting room at Rockefeller Center for two days before anybody would even see me. And then finally they came out to, to take the three-quarter-inch tape, one of those big honking fucking things. And I started to get up with them to walk in the back, and they said, uh, no, you stay here. <clears throat> so, like, just five minutes later they came out and said, come on back. We want to put you on next week's show. So, <laughs> And then you, then he got arrested. Yeah. So essentially what we're looking at are all the things that fish heads can't do and how he – Brings one to a, um, a movie theater to see a, to see a movie with him, and he didn't have to pay to get the fish head in. Uh, can I can I say something that I don't know if you guys have ever thought about because that video was so weird and that's such a bizarre song. But put different lyrics in that. That piano melody is beautiful. It's a really pretty. It's a melodic song. It's a real no no, no it the, the it like the like it's it's kind of mournful like in the the minor key like it's it's a really pre- if you can disassociate yourself from pro- if you could take that if you could take that album or if you could take that song and just have and take out the vocals and take out the video like it's a really pretty take out melody. the fact that fish heads can't go to an italian restaurant and drink or, cappuccino with oriental women yes well all of that stuff but i'm just saying that no i don't think i've ever thought about that before and i don't think anybody here has because it's such a singular song but it's a really beautiful song the interesting i mean without the without those words the interesting note that I saw on the the piece that Mark pulled up about that song and him getting that song on on SNL was that they played it two weeks in a row. So he like he sat there for two days. They finally like you know whatever played it. And they're like okay, like, come on back. And then they ran it that week. 
And then the next week, they were like, well, well clearly we have to well, run this again. Well, he's in the video a bunch, too. So I wonder if that was, like, his first major screen exposure. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but, like, it really kind of fits in, like, the Mr. Bill idiom of uh, that era of SNL. Like, oh, just completely absurd, like, stupid shit that's kind of funny just because of the absurdity. Well, it's completely absurd. Now I can all I can think about it in my after I after I'd like let that out of the bag. Now I want to go back and listen to that song. Like I want somebody to 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 do like a mashup and take out the fish head, fish head. I think you should make it your ringtone, Bill Paxton's uh, uh, like real contribution to the first contribution to the cultural zeitgeist might have been the music video for Fish Heads, which is super weird, and everybody should check it out. Yeah, I highly was, recommended. I've been walking around the house talking like Chet for three days. Oh, you! Oh, I, was, I was I was meant to bring this up. Did you spit um, in this? Well, you know, like a couple of my friends when I was like in high school. I oh, was younger, I know where you're you, going with this. And you were still around. Well, Kevin used to pick on me a little bit, and my because friends referred were, to him as oh, Chet. What? Yeah, my friends referred to him as Chet from like <laughs> that, that yeah. whole scene where he's like. Like, what is it, women under, women's underpants? For God's sake, would you cover yourself? I just remember something about a dirty ashtray and a pork chop sandwich, maybe, or something. I don't know. It's been a long time since yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. Anyway, point is, we'll get uh, a lot better, a lot Bill, better now. Bill Paxton, who apparently, you know, was um, he was from Fort Worth. And actually, this is this I uh, read this this past week, which is, uh, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this uh, crazy music video. But he was in the audience and saw Kennedy speak in Fort Worth before he went to Dallas on his last day. And there's a photo oh, yeah, of him in the crowd as a kid, like, being hoisted up on somebody's shoulders. Anyway, it's crazy. Like, it's a small world after all. Rest in peace, Bill Paxson. Yeah, there you go. All right, should we get back into it? Let's, Let's do, it. do it. Let's do it. did want to mention before we dive back into this Alison Crutchfield record that um, one crutch phrase that I have been hearing a lot. Was that some uh, shitty chop sake? Um, what I've been hearing a lot, especially on like, um, well, it's like there's some, some of these hosts on satellite radio and it's like um, it's like a lot of these indie girl DJs uh, use the phrase you guys like overuse the phrase you guys. And it's like, like hey, a, you guys, I've got, got a song for you guys to let check me, out, you guys. I got, totally got to tell you about this, you guys. And it's just like it punctuates everything. And the first, like, you know, 30 times, you're like, oh, it's a cute little indie lady thing to say. And then about 700th time, you're like, it's not that cute anymore. It's like people who say, you know what I mean? Like after everything they say. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I knew or, it the first time. Or the ones that like in, you know, in, no, like, in, uh, in December, they're like cold enough for you. Like, yeah, it is cold enough. We've talked about that already. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's fucking winter. <laughs> so. I believe that what, what the opposite of that was a Far Side cartoon where it's like nerds in hell. Hot enough for you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, life is a Quigman's cartoon, but, um, but yeah, I wanted to uh, just something that occurred to me uh, about indie girls. But anyway, so yeah, the Allison Crutchfield record. Um, you know, I think I think generally speaking, like we've covered, like I feel like we call it kind of all in and on a pretty similar place with her, which is that, you know, they're accessible, they're accessible tunes. She seems to be pretty comfortable, even when she's wearing her heart on her sleeve and bearing her soul a little bit. Um, 
You know, it's not revolutionary, but she's kind of not intending it to be revolutionary. In fact, it kind of sounds like maybe she's in the middle of process, like kind of going through some as messy as your 20s can be or whatever, like in a sort of affected way. But I don't know. Um, I think 20s are pretty messy in general. That's probably true. But and and the way that. 20-year-old, you know, people that are in their 20s perceive their 20s is also, like, is, is a thing. But I guess here's where I was going. Um, was there, you know, we've kind of, there are a number of things that we sort of all agree on. Was there a track that kind of, that surprised you, other than the sequencing stuff, Ryan? Like, was there a track where you where you sort of heard this and you're, you're like, oh, you know, I didn't necessarily know that was a club she had in her bag, to use that weird golf metaphor. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a metaphor that she doesn't use, but yeah. That was a metaphor I've never heard in my life, but yeah, I, I yeah. appreciate it. Is that it. a swizzle stick she's got in her martini? Like, whatever. Uh, well, yeah, and there is. Uh, I'd say it's Dean's Room, um, which sounds like she's starting out trying to write, like, an Underworld-style, like, trance song, and the only people that she had to play it with her were 1989 The Cure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song. That was, I like it. I no, like no, it, but, but it's like nothing I've ever heard before. That, that and song, then there's so many familiar elements in it, in it that uh, you know I am familiar with, but they, I just never heard them put together that way. So it's circling back to to Dean's room, that's a it's a little bit of a kind of a, you know, it's a it gets sort of branded as a glossy new wave take. The spin review on this calls it a, gl- a glossy new wave song built around. Uh, it's basically the engineer for this record worked with. Um, Kurt Vile and Steve Gunn, and so it's sort of a, you know, they call it like sort of a collection of vintage analog synthesizers, and I could, like, there's definitely a little bit of that, you know, kind of retro quirk that plays itself out in some of these tracks, but um, but Dean's Room was not, it, Dean's Room is another one that, like, kind of gets called out as one of the main tracks on the record. Um, it wasn't necessarily the one that I wanted to play as our, as our next go-round, but what did you guys... Yeah. What what was it? So Dean's room for your for you, Ryan. That's the one that I was just. I mean, and again, it was like part of the disjointed thing. Like, where the fuck did that come from? Uh, You know, and that was the one that immediately, like, just kind of the first go around. I listened to this record like three times. Like, this that's the first one that I was just like, well, that that's different. And yeah, that was the first one where I was like, I love the music. I don't know if I love the song. That's kind of how I thought. That's interesting. Well, I mean. When I say song, I'm saying, like, vocal melody and lyrics. But I love the music on that song, like the backing tracks. But, again, you know, I warmed up a lot to this record over the course of multiple listens than I did at first. But just sort of what I will, how I felt. But you're right. I mean, it's, a, it's an odd song. It sounds fucking awesome, though. Yeah, the guy who the guy who wrote this <laughs> that way about the whole record. But yeah, go ahead, Kath. The guy the guy who wrote this piece for F- Spin said the second half of the song is given over to instrumental transcendence. It first reminded me of REM or New Order until I listened to it so many times that it only sounded like itself. Now I don't know, like that sounds like a take that's kind of unique to that dude. Well, uh, th- that no, not necessarily because I was thinking like, okay, well, what if I was like twenty and listening to this and I didn't have all that you know, baggage of stuff that I heard, you know, the first go around. Uh, now, like, I have all these touchstones that she's obviously listened to and, and kind of wearing on her sleeve. But, like, this might be just revolutionary to me had I not heard the other stuff. Because it all, it all works. Sure. Uh, but I know where she's coming from. 
Yeah, it says here that I'll just share this one last piece. It said the the bright guitar soloing, the college radio friendly sound of of town might put off the the record might put off some of the of swearing apostrophes, uh, lo-fi devotees, but it also ought to endear the album to the same people who embraced Waxahachie's breakout success of 2015's Ivy Trip, which we talked about earlier. Um, Alison Crutchfield's emergence as a solo artist is linked to her sister. She wrote many of her songs while touring with Waxahachie, and she likewise has signed to Merge Records, but drawing the same formal comparisons between these two longtime collaborators feels too easy, according to this guy. He says Alison Crutchfield may call herself a tourist, but she's going where she wants, which is such a terrible last line of a review. I, well, I like, think we all could tell that you thought it was – I think it's terrible, too. <laughs> you just downshifted like – and then going where she wants to play. Yeah. Well, anyway. Kevin, Kevin, what track do you want to play? Uh, so, uh, yeah, we uh, we could play that one. The one that I thought um, that I actually found myself, like, it meanders a little bit. But I thought that the I thought the drum tracks on um, the last track, chop, Chopsticks on Pots and Pans, were pretty interesting. Well, what, since we – okay. Well, since we spoke about uh, – uh, Dean's room. Why don't we A B it and do a little bit of both, and we can come out and t- since we already touched on Dean's room quite a bit, we can talk about the other one on the other side. But I feel like we should play a little bit of Dean's room, and then whatever we can do to make it difficult on Mark. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Thanks. All right, sure. Yeah, let's spin a little bit of Dean's room. That was Dean's room. That's the one that really has gotten a little bit more. Um, other than the, um, I don't ever want to leave California. That's the song that's gotten a little bit more love. The song that I was actually thinking about, which is also kind of like led by the drum line, is um, "Chopsticks on Pots and Pans." And so let's run a little bit of that, and then we can kind of talk about both of these. I think that tune. Yeah. Cool. Let's. Down town, like I did in high school. 
so on the on the on the second track that we just played, the chopsticks on on pots and pans. I think like, and maybe this is just me noticing something about myself, but it's like I really like the conceits of that song. Like I really like I thought I think about it in terms, or I initially thought about it in terms of the of the drum line, but it's really sort of the bass line that sets up the rest of that song. And I thought that was like both just, are prominent. It's, yeah. it's, it starts with like a really martial snare, right? You know, like 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 a, like a military march, right? It's a yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that was concise. Shane, thank, Shane thank, you well, <laughs> thank you for your. I was going to say that, and then I and then I started to cough up a little bit of this soda water, and, and so I wasn't able to say anything. La Croix, the it's La Croix, yeah, but yes, La Croix would. Anyhow, no, I and the no the the the, dr- or the 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 bass line coming in like probably about eight measures in like uh, set does set up the rest of the song. And I and I will tell you that like and this is not something that we've ever talked about on this podcast. God knows we've talked about everything else. Like I am typically put off by the military like style drums. Like they just don't do anything for me. Like all that like modest mouth shit. Like I couldn't give. A, I could not. What give about a fuck less? What about? Like, let me ask you this question. What about? Um, for the life of me, I cannot remember. I don't know, but that's like, amazing. The, the, the birth what is, are you, are what, you singing what the, is the that? freshman? Freshman, yeah. There's there's a lot of like. What is wrong with you? <laughs> because yeah. I'm just asking him if he doesn't like Minus Mouse. I mean, surely I could pick some cool song. I'm I'm with sure like that a, with the, that's a badass. No, it's not a badass I'm, song. It's a joke. I'm just completely yeah, kidding. But. Yeah, don't joke about things like that, but, man. Like that's a terrible song. Yeah, well, it is, is a terrible song. There are like, like three Modest Mouse songs I like. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's no, here's where not. I'm going with this. Like, the, I guess the point is, is like, and I'm sure that there are where that for me that individual rule probably there are probably some exceptions to it that I'm just not thinking about. But generally speaking, it's like I kind of hear that style of drama, and I'm just like, uh, no thanks. King of Birds like, uh, by but, REM off Document. Uh, we don't. We don't a, have to have a, a whole. Has a Marshall snare drumline, and it's fantastic. There's there's a like a really arduous mixtape show just waiting to happen. But <laughs> yeah. like, but anyway, yeah. So, but where this one starts to like get interesting for me again is like the bass line, and then Shane mentioned the lead guitars, which uh, you know, which kind of like they're not necessarily in a hurry to come in, but like when they're there, it's like it's the, the song sort of starts to take shape a little bit at a time. Anyway, well, yeah, the snare sets a foundation, and then the the bass comes in, and, the, and it kind of layers upon itself. Yeah, it's a pretty cool song. Yeah. You know, one one comparison that I didn't uh, bring up, but immediately struck me when I first listened to this album, and I think I can hear it a lot in in these last two tracks that we've sampled is Jenny Lewis. Um, oh right, so sure. Just in a lot in the in the phrasing, the the words yeah, that she's using, that. and and just the way that she she delivers her vocals too. Yeah, I will. I will say that like, it's you know, no one would ever accuse Alison Crutchfield of being shoegazy, but like, her vocals are a little bit. They're a little like, I I think of Jenny Lewis and like her vocals are so far out in front of some of those songs that like she really is like kind of the, you know, well, the, Shane, the spotlight Shane, is firmly on her voice. Shane, sometimes. you might know this. Um, I feel like there's a vocal effect on this that's similar to what. Um, She's got a lot of reverb on her. Well, voice. right. What what uh, similar to Nico Case that she does? Like she doesn't always sound like Nico Case except for like on the one song. Yeah, there's a lot. It's like echo. There's a lot of like room echo. Yeah, where yeah reverb. yeah like where she sounds like she's singing down a hall. Yeah, it's room echo, like a reverb. It's reverb. It's like big reverb. Yeah, I dig it. Sounds good to me. That's good stuff. Well, that's fun, y'all. Uh, who's got the next thing? I do. So. Um, 
so I just want to say this real quick. Um, we are going to watch a video by Granddaddy Evermore. Just refer, uh, just uh, reformed. Yeah, correct. recently reformed, and this video is gonna fuck. You're welcome. It's gonna knock your fucking socks off. So anyway, Evermore by Granddaddy. We'll come back. Socks. You say Evergreen or Evermore? It's called Ever- Evermore. Okay. No. I thought you said Evergreen first. Maybe I did, mm-hmm. but it's Evermore. Sorry. Cut it out. Apparently, um, 2017 is the year that dearly departed bands are going to put out fucking badass songs accompanied by videos that look like screensavers from 1999. I feel like I was just a part of some sort of psychological experiment. <laughs> no, like, at the well, end of no it, none of us could look away out. from it, and we knew exactly what was going to well, happen. Like but somebody the- was going to come out and say, okay, so... What was dropping out of the airplane? How did but, that make you feel? <laughs> but re- but remember, just a couple of weeks ago, we watched the slow dive video with the cube that just went. and and neither one of them have lost a uh, step at all. No, I mean that song is. It sounds like vintage um, granddaddy. It sounds like not not only does it sound like vintage granddaddy, it sounds like one of the best songs vintage grand. I mean that song fucking. No, kills. it made me nostalgic, and I went back and, and looked, and it's been since two thousand three. Three since I well I, they they put out stuff since then but two thousand six but two thousand three is the last Granddaddy record I bought which was uh, someday and I was just like man I need to go listen to that record again that song yeah fucking another great. Kill, like I mean like I was thinking about like my favorite songs off the Software Slump which came out in what ninety nine yeah two thousand I mean that song is just a, I mean I think that song is fucking you need to listen to it with a, like they they pump the bass up a little bit to listen to it in your car. Well, here's what I like about Granddaddy. Nobody sounds like Granddaddy. No, no. Like there. But the songs, those fucking hooks, man. That that sense of melody. I, like, I would say, like, they don't necessarily sound like a lot like. Well, not exactly like Granddaddy, but um, Early Mart has some Granddaddy in there. Like that's who? a the, Early Mart. I, you yeah. know, I always saw I that name, know but but I never listened. Oh, you know what? Is I that did the place you go to buy Shane's old cat? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe. No, early, My early Mart. Early. Man, you'll, no, yeah, but you I used to that. think that like, Early Mart, I thought the singer sounded more like Elliot Smith, but I never even thought there about it. Well, they toured with Elliot Smith. Well, that fucking makes sense. There, Yeah, there are, some, there are some tracks on some Early Mart songs that are really sort of granddaddy-esque, but they're like, to your point, like they were, they they cast a large shadow back in their day. So yeah, they're still clearly like, know what I they're mean, doing. They haven't, like you said, they haven't missed us. I mean, that song fucking kills. You can listen to it over and over. Well, no, I, like, I listened to an interview, I think it was on NPR um, a couple weeks ago with Jason Lytle, 
who, who I think he just got bored. Like he'd been producing other people. He's got a nice studio in Northern California. Sure, um, that's, that um, that song sounds badass. It just sounds like, like they haven't sonically, missed a step. Yeah, sonically, it's I mean, I, it it sounds like if he has a studio that makes sense and he's producer, it makes sense to me because. I'm sure that they don't have the budget that they had in '99, but it's well. They're on like V2, which is like yeah. a division of like Virgin, I believe. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, plenty of money uh, but, then. But but the other thing, and this is what I was alluding to before, is that so we watched that slow dive. You know, slow dive hadn't been around. Put out a record since 1996. Hasn't missed a step. Hasn't missed a step. But had that fucking cube video that looked like a screensaver. These guys haven't missed a step. Haven't put out a record in since 2006, I think. Uh, same thing with the fucking airplane with the, you know, that that whole thing when stuff's coming in the plane, that's like, you know, they do that, right? Like when they, they, they pull the lever and the... Dude, the it's st- almost too bad that you picked this because, like, I could, I, I'm could i going to go listen to the whole record now, but... There like, is no whole record. There's oh, is there not? Song. Is it just the it's song? It's only the song. Okay, well, I guess but they're working on stuff. Done. I highly recommend that you listen to this song <laughs> over and over again because oh, I, 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 I have been. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Check in, mate. Um... I also recommend because it made me just think of it, like because I, I just I, I go this way, like I, you know I'll get into a record and listen to it for a year or two and then just forget about it. Um, but off that record, someday there's a song by Granddaddy that's written from the perspective of a computer. And yes, called, I remember it's that. It's called "I'm on Standby." I remember that. I love and that like, song. It's got a, a beautiful song. melody. Yeah. yeah. Well, that whole record's good, but like I just love the perspective that he was able, to, like you know. Come at it from that perspective. So, anyway, nice pick, Shane. You are welcome. I thoroughly approve. Who's, so, got, who's got next week? Well, so next week we don't know yet because we we may have a guest. We may have a guest. We may not. But I mean, we should right. point out that we we are counting down very close now to our one one hundredth episode. Oh episode. yeah. There, so there's that. Um, one thing we haven't name checked in a little while is. Uh, uh, sometimes we do these in the bumpers, but uh, if you have, if there's something you want us to cover, you got a, a comment, hit us up at message somebody at gmail dot com. Uh, also, I don't know what the chances are that this is going to come out before South by. Probably slim. We can get it out. Okay. Anyway, um, if this breaks before South by, and any of you are in Austin on March 10th, uh, come on down to the Sidewinder on at 7:15 Red River. Uh, for uh, the latest twenty by two show, which is the show that I produce, and Mark is the what's technical the day of the week that. and the date of that? Friday, March tenth. So it's going to be a good one. Seven fifteen. So we said seven o'clock. Seven o'clock at, at the Sidewinder. Anyway, um, other than that, uh, this was a gas, you guys. Yeah, thanks. You guys, Kevin has gas. Kevin, Kevin has gas. Class. You guys. It's a gas, you guys. That's the way that they should have written that song. Jumping Jack Flats is a it's gas, a gas you, you guys. guys. If they if they had uh, indie rock uh, <laughs> like, satellite radio chicks, it's uh, like a writing it's like lyrics a, for them. I, I think a lot more people than indie rock satellite chicks say you guys. But whatever. they say you guys up north a lot more than we do. I, we just I'm say telling y'all. you now that I brought it up, you're never going to be able to not hear it because every oh no no no. no. Um, anyway. Let's uh, let's get out of this so we can come back with renewed vigor for next go round. Uh, uh, I guess I'm Kevin. I'm s- supposedly Ryan. Um, somebody's at once called me Shane. I'm checking. Yep, I'm still Mark. This is somebody likes it. <laughs>